Welcome back to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. Uh, if you guys are anything like me, all you've done for the past three days or four days is eat Thanksgiving food. And it was awesome. I gotta say, I had an awesome Thanksgiving break. This this episode's coming out a couple days later than normal um, because I was hanging out with family and enjoying all that stuff. Uh, but yeah, definitely enjoyed and probably overindulged a bit <laughs> on the food, um, but it was awesome, man. So uh, happy Thanksgiving. Super thankful for you guys for listening and tuning in. Um, super thankful for everyone who's contributed to the show. Uh, this is episode 173, which is just incredible. And my mind's blown and it's it's once again, and I know I've said it on the show so many times, but I think this week's episode really ties into this theme is the power of consistency and consistent action and what it can help you achieve. And uh, this week we're talking with an, an incredible guy. Uh, his name's Clark Beckham. Um, <clears throat> He's a singer out of Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, he was a runner-up on American Idol, um, and just an incredible voice. Like, holy crap! My wife was like, "You should look him up before you interview him for the show." I'm like, "I don't want to be intimidated," but I did. And dude, the dude can sing like no other. Um, but and he'll get into his whole story, so I don't want to like spoiler or anything here. But basically, over the last. Uh, five or six months he's been he's turned himself into a runner and he's rediscovered um, athletics and sports and fitness and all that stuff um, but it all comes from this power of hey I'm not gonna start where I want to end up like I'm not gonna be as good as I want to be when I first start but I'm okay with that because I understand the process and the process uh relies on consistent action day after day after day and showing up and he'll talk about his first run of two miles and how brutally hard it was and but showing up the next day showing up day two of training and then three and then eventually um half a year later stepping up to the start line of his very first marathon and i met i met clark uh at the finish line of the Marine Corps marathon. So he, I finished the race and then he finished the race and then we were just hanging out and just got talking with this guy and, um, sitting there with my friend Phil and, uh, and he just told me this incredible story of, of six months ago, just making this decision to commit to a marathon and commit to doing something hard. Um, and so like just to tie it in with with the whole post Thanksgiving thing, like we're in holiday season here, you know, um, <laughs> I got three more weeks till Christmas break where there's going to be some more indulging for sure, because that's part of the fun and and uh, of of the hanging out with family and stuff like that. Um, but during this three weeks, like what can you accomplish? You know, like I guess just to do a blatant advertisement, my friend Calvin Johansson does this thing called the join 100 club and he doesn't make any money off it or anything like that. Like he's literally just out there like I am, which is just trying to spread goodness and help people to achieve their own goals because they, because we've discovered for ourselves, like what we can actually get done if we commit. And so Calvin has, has this club and I, and he has it on Facebook. If you look up join 100 
club. I'm typing in right now just to make sure it's the actual one. Uh, it is the 100 club and literally all it is is Calvin will post updates, but it's just a chart and you make an X every day of that you've accomplished your goal. And it's the idea of like, if you look over a hundred days of doing this thing, like, look what you can, look what you can do. And his whole point is like, why wait till new year's? Like, why don't we just start right now? Um, so check that out. Like I said, it's totally free. Um, it's literally a paper with a, <laughs> a hundred chart. It's just, that's all it is. So, um, but it's, it is funny, like it is motivating to like make that X every single day. Um, so, so definitely check that out. I've been doing yoga. I started it last year. Today is day 365 and I started it last year and I just said, I'll do 15 minutes because surely I can find 15 minutes in my day. Um, I've been doing it then and like what I've seen in growth over the year has been really, really, really cool. So, um, go check that out. As for Clark, we'll get into the show right now. Um, he's looking to take on, so he did his marathon and now he's looking to take on a 50 miler with the ultimate goal of a hundred miles. And I just respect that so much. Uh, I really, really enjoyed talking with him and nerding out about running and hearing his story and, and the, the lessons that relate from his singing journey which he's found a lot of success in um, and how you can just pull those same ideas and those same concepts and ideals over to other areas of your life, like running and, and to see him do that. And then also like pulling from high school sports into his success on American Idol um, was, was really, really cool. And it's the whole idea of like, Hey, once you figure it out in one area, you're going to figure it out in many other different areas as well. So um, but yeah, let's get into the show. This is the Like a Bigfoot podcast number 173 with Clark Beckham. Enjoy, guys. Yeah, man. Welcome to the show, man. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I was going to totally like go into your bio there and like tell everybody, you know, you know, your whole deal. But, uh, then I was like, well, we should get into that for the episode, you know? So, sure. so yeah. So the, you know, one thing that kind of makes you unique for the show is, uh, you, you have a, a career as a singer and, and you've right. also kind of, uh, become like a new, new runner along with that. So, so yeah, yeah, that's absolutely right. Yeah, so do you want to kind of like give us like what's some background info uh, about yourself that we should all know going into it? Yeah, sure. So um, I was – I sports was my first love when I was in high school. I never did long-distance running really at all, um, but I loved playing football and basketball and soccer. And so, you know, we – We'd run in soccer, but I mean, the most we'd ever run would be like two or three miles, yeah. Um, you know, or a couple of laps. Uh, and then when I went to college, um, I, I I decided to uh, do music instead or focus on music, and then my my history degree. And so sports and athletics kind of kind of went away besides like intramural stuff. But 
after college, um, or during college, I was a street performer in Nashville. And then um, American Idol came to Nashville. My mom convinced me to audition. I did not want to, um, and which is a good lesson. Just listen to your mom. Um, and so I did. I auditioned for American Idol, and then I was on the show and um, ended uh, second place is where I ended. And then after that, um, I was independent for a couple of years as an artist. And then uh, a couple of years ago, um, Quincy Jones uh, signed me to his uh, artist roster, his management company. And so I've been managed by Quincy Jones Productions for a couple of years and uh, coming out with an album. But yeah, I mean, I tour and record music. So like that's, um, you know, that's, that's my full-time gig and running is, is a new obsession. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Well, yeah. So I, I mean, I definitely want to get into that story a little bit. Like, first of all, you're right. Like listen to your mom. That's obviously <laughs> yeah. the most important lesson, but so, yeah. you know, yep. how much, like, were you looking to go into music as a profession before you know, the American Idol trial or, or was it just kind of like a uh, lucky, like happy coincidence? Yeah, I was, uh, my path was in my head. My plan anyway, was, um, to be a history teacher, high school history teacher, um, and a, uh, like football coach, um, or sports coach in general. And during the like breaks, like summer and stuff like that, I would focus on music. I didn't really know how that would work, but that was my, my goal. Um, because obviously, I mean, I couldn't get in anywhere. I couldn't even get in into bars to play. So that's why I, you know, as a street performer for a while. Um, but it's def it was definitely what I wanted, wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah. What's, what's street performing like? Man, it is, it is very humbling. Yeah. <laughs> it is very difficult, very difficult. Um, it seems easy. I mean, I thought it was easy when I decided to try it out. Um, and then I did it my first night I played for about four hours. Um, you know what? I gave up after two. So I played, I usually play two, four hours, but the first night I played two hours and I made $2 and, uh, some change. And I was just so distraught. Cause I was like, I, I'm good though. Like these people <laughs> should be responding. <laughs> yeah. And, um, absolutely, absolutely was not the case. Uh, so, um, I got better at it as far as strategically, you know, knowing where to go and what songs to sing and that kind of a thing and how to present yourself. I got better in those regards, but it's very difficult. It is, it is very difficult. Dude, I have to imagine, man. Well, so how much of it is like the interaction with the audience around you? And, you know, like the first night where you just like, I don't know, like not making eye contact or like not performing, you know, like singing the songs, but not oh, like you're... performing. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. That's absolutely the difference. Um, because you have to, because basically what people do is you're playing a game with people they want to ignore you and pretend you're not there so they don't have to feel like they have to pay you anything, give you any money. Yeah. So your job is to make, pretty much make yourself 
Um, this is absolutely not a word. Unignorable. <laughs> Just make it where they can't help but notice you smile or laugh or look or react in some way. And then especially if they like you, like if you have an ability to connect with them, like on a charming level or anything like that, um, that helps. Again, doesn't guarantee you that they're going to give you a dollar, but um, that's the first step. It's definitely connecting with people. Yeah. 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 That's awesome, man. Well, I, I guess I had this question posed to me today. So speaking of teaching, I'm a middle school science teacher by day. Oh, sweet. Um, yeah, yeah, man. Um, and my students asked me today, they're like, Mr. Ward, and this was like a super serious question. You know, I'm like, what are they going to ask? You know, like, Mr. Ward, seriously, yeah. I want to know this. I'm like, okay. And they're like, do teachers get embarrassed? And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, man, I don't, I mean, yes, we do. And, but like at this point, we've seen it all. So I feel like it would take a lot to really embarrass me. So for you, like as a singer, like embarrassment or like nervousness, like, do you still feel that? Uh, that's a, that's a great question and a, a great way that, uh, like to pose that question. Um, it, you're right. I mean, I have kind of the same answer. It takes a lot, a lot to embarrass me. Um, I mean, especially from playing on the street, I've experienced a lot of rowdy, crazy, wild people. Um, and then from performing a lot, I've experienced a lot of mistakes by, you know, mistakes on my part on stage, forgetting lyrics or messing up. And um, But it, I just, it doesn't bother me. And I don't really get embarrassed when I mess up. Um, so yeah, I mean, and nerves, nerves happen for me when I'm doing something that I haven't done before or that I don't do often. So, um, like I will, I could perform or sing like a show in front of, um, like when I opened for John Bellion, who's a great artist and he's touring right now. And when I was touring with him and opening for him, there'd be anywhere between two to 7,000 people um, and I could do my opening act and sing on stage with a mic for five, six, seven thousand people and not feel any nerves at all. But if I'm singing the anthem for my high school basketball <laughs> yeah. uh, game for like 100 people who are like half asleep, then I'm very nervous. Like it's because that doesn't happen often. I don't do that often. So nerves come randomly in those moments, but uh, for the most part, you kind of get in a groove and you just, you, you haven't seen it all, but it's kind of that feeling. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's awesome. Well, so how much, like before we get into running, um, how much of your journey has been like affected by mentors, you know, like have you besides oh, your mom? Man. Cause I mean, obviously best <laughs> mentor ever, but like Absolutely. what, you know, what lessons have you learned along the way or like what some piece of advice people have given you just about like success in general, you know, or like goal setting and, yeah. and chasing that? Yeah. Um, I owe a lot to a, a handful of, of, um, mentors in my life. A lot of them were athletic coaches. So, um, my soccer coach in like middle school, 
Um, it was Sean Duncan. And uh, my basketball coach in middle school also, his name was um, Larry Nesbitt. And then many other coaches that I had, uh, those two stick out. Um, but especially when I was just learning how to play sports and how to be physically active and push limits and stuff, just taking pride in, how do I say this? On American Idol during Hollywood week, near the end, you are sleep deprived. You have, uh, the stakes are extremely high and everyone's like falling asleep in the chairs. Like I had more sleep than anybody I know, or as much as anybody I know. And I had four hours of sleep in about a 48 hour time period. Wow. And, um, and everyone was just dragging and people were interviewing people, uh, uh, contestants and saying like, man, I guess you're just exhausted. And they're like, Oh, I'm so exhausted. You're right. Oh, I could just barely stop. Blah, blah, blah. And coaches that I've had and mentors that I've had, like those men I mentioned and many others, um, trained me to say when they asked me like, Oh, I bet you're exhausted. How do you feel? They go, I, no, I feel great. I could do this for a month. Like, <laughs> Absolutely. Like I'm, this is, this is wonderful. I know you guys are tired though. You guys have been up like crazy filming all of this. That's, are you guys okay? And they're like, wait a minute, hold on. What? But the mindset of just, um, I'm fine. The, the, the higher the hill, like the harder the climb, the better I feel, you know, like bring it on. So that mentality has helped me immensely and I mean, in college, when I had a lot of stuff going on, just with, you know, exams and essays and things like that, uh, the music business where I'm independent and I'm just doing everything myself and pushing through um, or crazy travel schedules. Uh, and then now, of course, in, in running, um, it applies. So I hold I hold those guys um, accountable, I guess, for the strength that they built in me. Yeah, that's awesome. So how much of your success, like, for example, on American Idol, do you kind of like attribute to um, just like your work ethic, you know, because I'm imagining when everyone's sleep deprived and and feeling tired and stuff like I have to imagine some people are like falling apart a little bit, you know, and oh, I yeah. feel like having a solid work ethic in moments like that is is one of the you know things that's going to lead you lead you to success. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, uh, attribute that, um, quite a lot to the success I had because, um, you know, when it, when the stakes were high and I was tired and I had to do this stuff, like I've been there before, like I've been in finals week where, you know, in college where you don't have any sleep and you've got to write a couple research papers for like high level classes that you can't just BS on. Yeah. And you've got an exam as well, and it's all writing, you know, on on your, you know, on the grade for the class. And like I've been there before, and I've been, you know, in football games in high school where I was, you know, injured or just exhausted, and um, you know, whatever, name it. And it was third down, and we had to go, you know, all out. Like I've been there before. So when I was in that situation, throughout many different times throughout the show. Um, it's different than like, okay, I got to push. You actually like, 
learn to love it. And, and just thrive off of it and get, and get, you get better even, you know, you get stronger and faster and it's, it's, uh, some people might call it competitiveness, but I just like live for that. I love that stuff. Um, you know, and I'm not That's sure awesome. there's a, there a couple ideas what the source of that is, but um, totally that's, that's def that's definitely attributes to my success. I think. Yeah. I love that you just compared uh, like nationally, like one of the gigantic shows nationally to, uh, to like a college finals week. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, it, it is. I know I get it. it. Like finals weeks. Totally. <laughs> I totally get it. Like the high pressure, like that's something everyone can relate to. Who's done it is like, you do have this, like everyone at some point in their life does have like a high pressure situation where they're expected to perform. And it's, it's cool that you can look at it from the perspective of this is just another high pressure situation. It's like no more, no less than anything else, you know? And I think that's like a really cool perspective. Yeah. 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 That's awesome, man. So what position were you in football? I got to ask as a football, like I sure. loved high school football. <laughs> oh, nice. Um, yeah. I, so in high school I played um, like an H back. It was full back, uh, but I like lined up in the slot quite a bit and um and caught the ball a lot and then uh would run a good bit too so um it was that kind of position and then linebacker and then I was going to go to college for tight end tight end was my true position tight end and linebacker yeah nice man yeah well like I did you have this experience so like as we're getting into running here like I remember being at football practice, seeing the cross country people running and I'm like, why would they do that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I, I've said that so many times. I'm like, um, like, I guess just running is like for like, I would rather run and do a sport. Like they're forgetting the better part of being active, which is actually doing something <laughs> other than just running. Yeah. Like, what are they like? I would much rather be running uh, down the basketball court or down the field or like doing something. They're literally just running. And I would even make fun of it and equate it to like in school, like you have to write an essay. And then like the cross country people, the equivalent is like someone who just wants to write random words on paper for no reason. <laughs> like they just like writing. Yeah. It's like no purpose. <laughs> so totally. Yeah. I was that idiot. Like you had no idea. <laughs> the yeah. Joy. And now you're obsessed with it. Totally. 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 <laughs> so I how did like that change? Goals. Yeah. How did that change? Well, you know, it changed. From, I'm not in high school anymore and I don't have, um, I don't have the opportunity of organized sports like I did when I was in middle school and high school and even college with intramural sports. Um, and I was touring. I was on a. I was in Texas, I think. Yeah, and I was by myself, driving and listening to. It's funny. My vocal coach actually uh, turned me on to this guy named David Goggins, and I was listening to a Joe Rogan podcast that had David on it. Oh yeah. And then I and then I got so inspired, and so I got his audiobook 
which is a fantastic audiobook, by the way, but the book is Can't Hurt Me. And I was listening to Can't Hurt Me in the car, and about a third of the way through, I just remember going, I'm going to run a marathon. Screw this. Like, I'm going to run a marathon. At this point, I was, like, as heavy or heavier than I'd ever been. I was 30 pounds heavier than I am right now. Uh, I was eating, like, 80% of my diet was fast food, especially on the road. Um, my body fat percentage was high and I was getting a double chin and getting like pudgy and I just wasn't happy with it. And I missed the aspect of, um, sports of, of physical, uh, exertion and accomplishment and also just being so out of shape and just being lazy. Um, so I was like, I'm going to run a marathon. Um, people run marathons. I'm going to do it. There's so many people that have done it. <laughs> if I'm being honest, this is my like totally my self-talk. There's so many people that have run marathons, and surely I'm stronger than some of those people, so <laughs> they can do it. Like, there's so many people. Like, I, I there's no way that that like it's too hard for me. Like, I can do it. I'm going to do it. I'm running a marathon. So I pulled over, found uh, the Marine Corps marathon. And uh, signed up for it, like, the minute that it, it opened up, to you know, that you could sign up for it. So, wait, wait. You were, like, driving, and you pulled over, and it was when the sign-up was? I pulled over, found it, and okay. then saw that the sign-up was the next day. Oh, gotcha. And okay. so the next day, I had an alarm on my phone, and I pulled over. That's awesome. Got a man. hot spot from my laptop. <laughs> yeah. And signed up for it the moment it opened that's awesome because that thing sells out like ridiculously quick i know which is why i was i was uh definitely on it to make sure that i got up got in there was that the first one you saw or like what made what made you choose that one over you know the handful of other ones you could have picked from oh sure um well i i looked i looked um i looked on uh online so just googled like best marathons in america yeah <laughs> and um the marine corps marathon came up and then it had mentioned that it's a great one for a first marathon and uh so and the timing worked it was um it was exactly six months from when i would get home to when i could start training um and i thought six months was a good time to train because also i did not i didn't want to just run a marathon and finish it and like and just look what I did. I ran a marathon. Yeah. Like I wanted to crush a marathon. Like I wanted to, I wanted to run a time that when I told people that was my first marathon time, they wouldn't believe me. Like that was my, that was my goal. That's what I wanted to do. Yeah. Sitting there at 220 pounds, 25% body fat with a burger in my hand. That's what I was like, I'm going to do this. Um, and so, yeah, I, that's, that's kind of, it worked out as far as the timing goes for the Marine yeah. Corps marathon and my family's, um, my entire family for generations is as a very deep, uh, military background in history. And I have a degree in history and, uh, really specialized in American history and uh, a lot of military stuff. So, and I love Washington DC and it just was it was a grand slam all yeah, across man. the board. That's like the perfect like 
you know, perfect storm of everything right there for your yeah. first one. Yes. Yeah. That's awesome, man. So first of all, you made that decision. When did, when did you start training? Like, did you finish the burger, get out of the car and start <laughs> sprinting down the road? <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, so I finished the tour just because the tour schedule is, is so intense. Um, yeah. Especially when I'm a lot of times I'm driving myself um, from, you know, city to city. And sometimes that's anywhere between uh, three to 12 hours of, of driving. And then sometimes, you know, and sometimes the show will, you know, I'll do a show in Dallas and the, ne uh, the next night is a show in Tulsa, you know, and I've got to make that drive immediately and try to keep sleep so i don't lose my voice and it lasts for a month or two at a time so um i didn't i well, did at that time you were preparing for endurance races by doing that it <laughs> sounds like you know what i mean i know i know that's right except um i don't have a vehicle to to get me places in endurance <laughs> races that's true my own legs but um but yeah so when i got home it was march 27th it was my first run and uh I have a beautiful, beautiful, um, road that I live on, uh, with a lot of farmers and just a lot of land and beautiful trees and stuff like that. So I was like, all right, I'm going to go run and see how I do. Uh, at this point I hadn't done anything physical, um, in, uh, probably six to nine months. And that was probably just like playing basketball with some friends. Um, and that was it. So I went into it, into the run, like I can do this. I remember when I was fast and athletic and blah, blah, blah. I can, I can run and let's just, let's just kill it. Like, let's just book it. So I ran as fast as I could. Um, and it's, it's just a two and a half mile, um, uh, like to the road, you know, to the end of the road and back, it's just two and a half miles. And it took me, um, Gosh, let's see. I think it, two and a half miles. I think it took me like 35 minutes. Wow. And that was as fast as I could go. So that's, uh, I mean, that's like a, that's running as hard as I can. And that was like, a, I don't know, 14 minute mile or something like that. I mean, I was, I started off fast and then a hill hit me and then I just died and then just like, tried to go as fast as I could, but ended up just barely moving, was dying, out of breath, extremely sore, and was like, oh, all right, well, that was about 2.6 miles. I'm going to have to do 10 times that uh, at half the speed, pretty much, um, or double the speed, yeah. rather, <laughs> at double the speed and 10 times that much. Yeah, so so, uh, so most people would be like in the middle of that run, probably a lot of negative talk, like totally kind of like doubting their capabilities at this like really big lofty goal. Like, did you face that at all, or or were you just so committed? It's like, yeah, I'm doing this no matter what. I understand today. Like, were you able to like logically think about that, or or was it frustrating? I kind of was just like laughing at myself and making fun of myself. <laughs> yeah. I was like, Oh my gosh, this is going to be nuts. 
Like this is gonna be crazy. I remember I remember doing that and then looking at marathon training plans and then seeing like uh Monday, seven miles, Tuesday, 10 miles and being like, Oh, give me a break. I'm not doing that. Like, I don't have to do that. Like, I don't, I don't have to really like, I have to run that much to run a good time. Like surely like that's crazy. Um, but yeah, the first run, I, I just remember being like, Oh my gosh, this is, I'm so out of shape. I had no idea. And this is going to be fun. And then, uh, of course I, I, I honestly, I did it the wrong way. Cause the first thing I ran into was some serious overtraining. Oh yeah. Um, and I really f- learned the, uh, effects of that in a very personal way. Uh, and it was, it was bad, but you know, when I got out of that, it got better. And then I ended up just adoring, I mean, just adoring marathon training, which of, you know, seven miles, 10 miles, 12 miles, two miles, four miles, like, just that kind of stuff. Like I just, I, I love it and I'm, I miss it now even. Yeah. Well, what is it? Is it the thing of like, Hey, I, I can see noticeable improvement. Uh, yeah, for sure. Like there were definitely some milestones that were really satisfying. Um, like I ran, uh, I remember I went to run 10 miles for the first time and I was like, Oh my gosh, like texting my girlfriend at the time, fiance now, but was texting her and was like, Oh my gosh, I think I'm going to run 10 miles for the first time today. And also they say, they said this in the book and, and uh, can't hurt me book. Yeah. And it's absolutely true. When you like start going super hard at something like running or whatever, everyone around, around you, Give some pushback. Every everyone, people who love you, people who don't like you, people who are your friends, people who aren't your friends, everyone gives you pushback and tells you not to do it. Well, what, what kind of pushback were you getting? Just like, well, I don't think this is smart. Like you're going too hard, and well, be careful. And oh my gosh, you're gonna do a marathon. Like, are you trying to prove something? Like you don't have to do that. And what is the real issue going on here? Um, <laughs> no way. And then also like, oh yeah. Yeah. Anyone who, and I'm telling you, I mean, if anyone who, like if someone's listening to this right now and they don't run in any way, shape or form and they sign up for a marathon and say, I'm going to run a sub four hour marathon and they start running every day and like talking, it's all they talk about. Oh yeah. Of course about, you get like hooked. Books. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, people don't people, – their friends and their family and their community, they don't like it. Just plain and simple. I don't know why. It's just – maybe I do. I don't know. But they just don't – they don't like it. And it's, like, annoying to them maybe, and I don't know. But um, you get pushback. I kind of went off on a caveat there. I, I can't remember exactly <laughs> what we were talking about right before that. Well, it is funny. Like, I've gotten it too, of course, especially, like, you know, it is – a lot of times it's – it's people who are concerned because, you know, if you don't fully understand how to train in a healthy way, like I do understand yeah. how it could, you know, you could injure yourself and things like that. But Absolutely. like, you know, once you, but, the, but really the only way to learn how to train in a healthy way is honestly like 
going through and making mistakes and and all of that stuff along the way you know and right i just right. think like uh, it is interesting like i think people just don't have this connection with like what it actually means so when i tell people about like marathons or or ultras or any ultra endurance sports i think sometimes they imagine me like sprinting down the trail <laughs> and up the mountain so right yeah and i'm like that yeah. is 100 percent not how this works because you can't you just can't do it that way you know yes no you're absolutely right i mean oh my gosh talk about ultras as soon as you talk about ultra marathon type stuff <laughs> to friends or family oh my you i have heard i have talked to no one who has supported me in that unless they are runners <laughs> themselves yeah yeah absolute i mean i talked to my mom she's like oh god you're gonna what about those people who like who like the the uh they're in football practice and they run and it's just too much and they die like you're running a, you want to run 50 miles like you want to run 100 miles like like what you're gonna like she literally when i tell you she literally thinks i'm going to die <laughs> when i run a race I ran a half marathon and she was worried sick. She was like, please text me right when you finish. Do you know? She, and she literally <laughs> thought I was going to die. Do you think like, I guess here's my strategy for that is I would like, in, have she been to a race yet? No. So I would invite her to one, even if it's not even one you're running, yeah. but just be like go to like the local half marathon and like see who runs these, you know, because it's surprising, yeah. you know, and there's people of all different like body types of all different ages and speeds yeah. and all that. And like, I think that kind of helps people like understand like, Oh yeah, like they're going to be okay. But to be fair, and my mom probably is listening to this, but she does, <laughs> she does the same thing. Like even before Marine Corps, she sent all these things for like blisters for my feet and stuff. And I'm like, mom, nice. I've never gotten a blister from running, you know, maybe I've gotten wow. one or two, That's but like, incredible. I don't know how that's worked, by the way. Yeah, what socks and shoes do you wear? Uh, I wear some ultras, like the wide toe thing, yes, which works so for me. I. And then the socks Great is like call. just the quick wicking stuff, you know. But yeah. it's funny, though, because like the other day I raked my yard and I got giant blisters all over my hand. So I'm like, what is <laughs> how does this work? But but yeah, man, it's just funny. Like it is you get that from the people who really care about you and are concerned concerned in like a positive way but like the yes. thing that drives me nuts is is the negative like why are you doing that like what are you trying to prove like that kind of thing because right i just think there's like a whole different way of looking at that like whenever i see people who are like incredible athletes or better than me at something or run farther or faster or any of that like i look at it as inspiration but like yeah. you could also choose to look at it from like a jealousy perspective, you know, and and, sure. you know, it just depends on the mindset. And I'm sure you've gotten that like with singing, too. Right. I'm sure like you've been yeah. inspired by yeah. people and people have been inspired by you. And you probably kind of have like a just a different understanding than than the people like the naysayers that are questioning why you're doing something. Yeah, I think a lot of it is. um they they know that they're not doing something. I think there's something in us yeah. um, that 
like a an instinct type um, need to be physical and active because I mean just how we were created like we are created with an incredible capacity uh, to run to do many different things and so I think it's a lot of times with people who aren't doing any of those things and we're also not uh, we're not created to be sitting for eight hours a day and eating all this fast food and these terrible preservative and antibiotic or antibiotic. Um, yeah. Antibiotic filled meat yeah. and all this stuff. And so when someone's living that way and then see somebody living closer to a lifestyle of like how we were made and what we're supposed to do, I guess um, it, it can make them feel bad about themselves and if they make fun of those people, they feel they feel better, and that helps quench that um, nervousness and anxiousness. Like, oh shoot, am I this far behind? Am I supposed to be doing this? You know, um, I, I guess I guess what, that's where that comes from. Yeah, yeah. David Goggins would say the same thing, but with a lot uh, different language, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with a lot more uh, cuss words and yeah. uh, not as like polite <laughs> how I just said it, or political. Yeah. 100%. Well, he's I like I wonder how many people can relate to reading his book or listening to him on Joe Rogan or I don't know if you've heard his interviews on Rich Roll, but they've been great too. But. Uh, mm. But doing like listening to him and then instantly being like, oh, now I'm going to go run. Like now I'm just going to get up right now and go for my first run. Like that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And he he also talks about like that is motivation, like what you just said. And he talks about in his book that he's like motivation is crap. Motivation will get you to run maybe for a week, maybe for a week. It'll definitely get you to run the first day. Yes. He said, but obsession is what makes you run, you know, for six months or for a lifetime, you know? Yeah. Well, and that's, it's funny because I wrote this question down, like what's the, and not even second day mindset, but like, but that, that idea, like a week later, what's your mindset? Because you're right. Like once you get past being motivated and I feel like the first day is so exhilarating, even though I'm sure it was exhausting, but like two days in or a week later, like what's your mindset then? I think for me, what helped with that is, um, I wasn't running to get in shape. I wasn't running to be healthy. I wasn't running to lose weight. Um, I was running to run a sub four hour marathon. I was running to murder this marathon that I signed (laughs) up for. So the week after I wasn't like, well, I think I, I think I did it right. I, uh, I had a good run. Um, definitely burned some calories that I haven't burned. Uh, I'm sore. So muscles are growing and they're rebuilding. That's pretty good. It's a lot better than I've done in my life before. It's a lot better than most of my friends are, are doing. Uh, you know, there was no sense of accomplishment, but that's fine. Like I, I didn't need it. All I was thinking about was, was the marathon, was the race, October 27th. That's all I was thinking about after the first day, before the first day, after the first week, uh, five months down the road. That's all I was thinking about was 
running that marathon time and killing it, having a great time and not just having one. Again, there's nothing wrong with uh, running a marathon and just completing it and that being your goal. Yeah. For me, I did not want to run a marathon and be like, look, I ran a marathon and then not talk. Uh, oh, let's not talk about my time, <laughs> you know, yeah. or like run a marathon and then not post the time or run a marathon and be like, yeah, I did it. And people were like, what was your time? I was like, oh, you know, it was like six hours or something. And again, there's yeah. nothing wrong with running a six hour marathon. But that wasn't your but goal. But for me, yeah. my goal was I want to destroy a marathon. <laughs> that's, that's what I, that's what I wanted. Yeah. That's awesome. And so you show up for Marine Corps, we can fast forward, uh, all the way yeah. there and you sing the national anthem. And it was funny cause you met my friend Phil, uh, and I at the finish line is when we met you. And it was, it was hilarious because driving into the race, we were, I don't remember why we got to talking about it, but we we're like, yeah, the guy who's singing the national anthem is going to run the marathon. And we're like, wow, what a cool, what a cool story. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So what was that like? Like how nervous were you? Um, you know, probably not to sing, but just at in general at the beginning. I was definitely more nervous to sing the anthem than I was to run the race. No way. <laughs> For sure. Uh, well, I hate singing the national anthem in general just because it's so scary. Yeah. Like, You're like, don't mess up, don't mess up. Getting, getting nervous. Like, if I forget the words to my own song, if I forget the words <laughs> to a Ray Charles song, like, nobody cares. And honestly... I can do it in a way where no one even notices most of the time. Yes. But if you forget the words <laughs> to the national anthem, you are probably going to get on YouTube. People are going to tweet about it. You're going to become a meme potentially, and you're going to get deported from the United States <laughs> for being communist. Like it is such higher stakes and like such, a potential for a giant losing situation and like a medium potential for like a win, like best case scenario, it's fine. Uh, worst case scenario, you, you know, get deported. So, um, <laughs> well, especially in front of the Marine Corps, you know what I mean? Yes, of course. Like you're just going to yes, get Marines like you're in DC. <laughs> You'll be running Next the to race. The Arlington Monument. Oh yeah. You'll be running the race and they'll just be like holding water out and they're like, Oh, is that the guy that messed that up? And then pull it away. But <laughs> Yeah. What a fraud. <laughs> but yeah, man, so you didn't mess it up. You nailed it. You did awesome. Thank you. Um Thank you. I don't think I actually heard you though, to be honest, because we the fifty K we started like a couple oh, yeah. <laughs> minutes early. So I was like, man, I'm going to talk to him about seeing it and I didn't even get to hear it, which is a bummer. But, uh, but yeah. And then you, what'd you do? You just like walked down from there to the start line. That's exactly what I did. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I walked down and put my like belt thing on and just crossed over the barrier and was like, all right. And <laughs> where you sing it, it's like, lifted up and it's like under a thing and it was raining and stuff so no one's really like no one is really looking at you when you sing the anthem i actually almost pulled out my phone and just read the words off my phone when i was singing like because i was like no one can see me 
just to take all of that nerve like away. Yeah. yeah. But I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. Um, but yeah, so I just w- walked down and then got on the starting line and I was just a random person to everybody, even though I like literally just sang the anthem and walked down, but yeah, I just walked down and got ready. That's cool. And so you take off, it's pouring rain, which was, yeah. did you think at all like that was going to kind of mess you up or, or were you totally cool with it? I was totally cool with it. I was cold like at first yeah, uh, before we got moving and uh, I think everybody was, was pretty cold and I, I didn't have any experience running in the cold because I started in March and it was already like decently warm and um, so I didn't really know that 45 or, or like 50 and raining actually feels awesome. Yeah. Oh, like it felt great. Like I had no idea. I was like, oh, it's just going to suck the whole time. But great. I love, I love this. Like whatever, you know, higher the hill, you know, the better, more fun. And um, Lance Armstrong has a quote that says he loved in, in racing. He loved when it would like sleet or the weather was just horrible and miserable because he knew he was better at suffering than anybody else. And I love that. And so I, you know, try to adapt that, you know, to my, uh, kind of my mantra and like talking, talking through myself and in those situations. Yeah. That's awesome. Was But it really wasn't miserable. It was wonderful. It was like, great. It wasn't bad at all. Yeah. The it only, was. I will say, which is borderline too much information, but after <laughs> sitting there in wet clothes at the finish line and then having to walk like a mile back to the car, everything was chafed literally everything was chafed it was was bad news it was the most painful mile of the day if anyone was like what was the most painful mile i'm like hands down maybe of my life was walking back to the car (laughs) yes the pain and like and just your muscles like completely seizing (laughs) yeah like that happened the moment you finish like you cross the finish line and start to walk shocked me i was blown away and it's everyone everyone is doing that yeah i was i was shocked but yes that is some of the most painful walking and moving i've ever done as well um and yeah i feel you luckily i wasn't i did i had a you heard of runderwear no but i needed some (laughs) miracle i've never had any like chafing or any problems ever wearing it I'm no matter how long I've run right now. What? Yeah. And I'm like, going to send it to my wife on my Christmas gift right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. that's awesome. man. so yeah, what like the race race day, like, was it what you expected or was there anything that kind of surprised you or anything like that? Um, yeah, I, I learned how, like how organized you have to be like, luckily, I sang the anthem, so they did a great job of receiving me and making sure I was in the right place at the right time. But I was like, oh my gosh, if I didn't, if I wasn't singing the anthem, like you have to go through so much and park over here and do this and that and holy cow. Um, But when the race started, I started off, um, I remember just thinking and everyone telling me and everything I'd read and just telling myself like, okay, this is my pace goal for the first couple miles. Like, don't start out too fast. 
start out like a rocket and end like a rock. It's like what I'd heard. It's like, you know, don't start out too fast. You're going to have energy and da, da, da. So I started running. I was shooting for, I think I was shooting for a nine, nine fifteen or something like that yeah. mile um, for the first couple miles. And I was going and everyone was passing me. When I tell you everyone, I mean literally everyone was passing me and passing me fast. Like I was almost like a, uh, a liability. I mean, I was shocked about how fast, like I was like Simba in the, oh, in, yeah. in the, all in the commotion of the, the stampede, stampede <laughs> in that little gully Valley thing. Like I was, <clears throat> I was shocked. I looked down at my pace, my watch and I'm running in like, a seven fifty-five eight-minute mile. I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> like, I'm run. Not only am I getting passed, but I'm running way too fast. So, I try to dial it back a little bit, and I'm still getting passed by everybody. H- hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people <laughs> are flying past me. Which, as I'm a competitor, like as a competitive yeah. spirit, I'm sure that's difficult. Yes, absolutely. But I, I keep telling myself like ah keep your discipline you know what you got to do you know your pace um keep you know keep keep on keeping on so uh i started out too fast and then at about mile eight i was like oh crap i'm already like hurting like i already like my i'm already hurting like my i guess it bands or like whatever's right behind that like is already getting tight and hurting and I'm already slowing my pace. I'm an idiot. I screwed myself. Um, and I'm, I'm going, I started out too fast. I'm going too hard. Maybe something happened. Like I didn't train as well as I thought. And I was just like really scared that I was going to do a terrible time. Um, until I got to the blue mile. Yeah. And I, what do you know what mile that is like that's 11, like or? exactly halfway through i think or almost exactly halfway got you so when i got to that uh that point as you know there there are people the entire marathon on both sides of the street with signs and cheering you on and noisemakers and just being awesome and um and then all of a sudden you get to the blue mile and there's no one allowed there the tier you want it's just silent and it's a straight path trees on both sides it's raining there's fog and every you look over and about every five or six steps there is on both sides um posters and pictures of fallen soldiers uh with their name and how old they were when they died. And the pictures, um, they did a great job of picking pictures that really showed their personality. Yeah. So it wasn't like a formal military picture. Yeah. It was kind of a candid picture where you could see who they were, see their name, and and it was silent um, for that mile. And a mile of just constant, all those pictures. And I looked at every single person, um, looked at every single one of them. And then when we finished that, then there was finally cheering again, but those cheers were from the family members of those men and women that had died. 
um, and they were holding and waving American flags that had been, you know, given to them, like good size, nice American flags. And they were cheering us on. They were in ponchos and it was raining and they were there cheering us on. And that visual running down like DC with American flags on both sides of us, like probably 300 American flags. I mean, um, on both sides running through the fog, the rain after running and seeing the sacrifice of many men and women and military, um, that have died in order to give us um, the ability to live without fear of violence and being um, threatened by a foreign military or foreign power and being able to have what we have. And thinking of the many times that soldiers like them and other soldiers have throughout history, throughout the history of the United States have been in the rain have been in the cold and have been pushing on exhausted and pushed and pushed and pushed which led to many victories um in battles and ultimately in wars that have kept us safe that have kept has kept the greater part of the globe um safe and and free of of tyrants um and the amount of national pride that I had in that moment was so strong. People, um, this is actually a test to the freedom we have in this country, but people sometimes like to just kind of hate on their own country, the United States, um, and like to talk down and, and they take it for granted. Uh, but we live in the greatest country on the planet and I'm so honored to be an American and proud to be a part of the heritage of, of the military victories that we've had. Um, not just for us, but for other nations. And, um, and in that moment, it was so strong that uh, my pace from that moment jumped about 45 seconds and held that for the wow. rest of the race where I was running about 815, 820 um, miles for the rest of the race. And the rest of the race, you know, we ran past beautiful, um, beautiful monuments and a lot of great people. And uh, But for me, I ran the rest of the race in that mile, in that blue mile. I just kept seeing the American flags. I kept seeing the people. And I kept thinking about the relevance and the prominence of, of those sacrifices in this country and uh, I just kept running that mile in my head over and over until I reached the finish line. And I attribute my time um, to the to the blue mile, yeah. really. Well, it's it's it puts your current state like into perspective. You know, like when you hit when you hit that and you're halfway through the race and you're, you're a little bit sore and things like that. Um, a little bit uncomfortable. And then, yeah. like you said, I mean, you summed it up perfectly and you hit that mile and you get to like really think about and contemplate all, all the suffering and hard times. Yeah. Everyone that you see has had been through. Like, it just is like, Oh, what I'm going through is nothing in comparison. That's absolutely right. Yeah, dude. That's awesome, man. And so any like, 
did you hit you no in no low points from there on like i i hit the bridge when i hit the bridge like it was like the walking dead like so many people were just slowly walking (laughs) on the bridge and i was like whoa this is that wall everyone talks about that is so accurate and that's exactly what i i saw too um I, I'm proud to say this is another goal I had or not even a goal, but yeah. just like a, an assumption, like, of course, I'm not going to walk like absolutely <laughs> not how. And that is Sean Duncan, that uh, soccer coach in middle school yeah. that, that I had like never walk, like never walk, like walking's for the week and <laughs> don't ever let your, don't ever let your enemy know that you're tired, you know, that kind of a thing and walking shows that you're tired and, Hey man, you know, having as, pride in that. as an ultra runner, when, when we walk, because we do, I call it Absolutely. marching. I was like, I marched that or like power. Hey, we call it power walking. Go. We put power in front of it and then it's yeah. okay. So I, I yeah, might've power walked on the bridge, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's fantastic. And obviously you were running but, 50 dude, kilometers well, but and that's I was in, running much less. Well, but that's impressive, man. Like, because like I just I I realized like oh yeah like there is the wall in the marathon that people hit and it's really difficult to get by and for I think you can attribute your time a lot to like just getting by that wall you know yeah it was a serious wall because people were when I say dropping like flies I mean literally dropping to the ground yeah like they would be there and all of a sudden boom someone would just drop to the ground holding their hamstring and just like rolling around on the pavement in pain and when i say like i don't mean like i saw that once i mean like 20 or 30 people wow i saw and obviously all those people were the people that passed me you know i don't wish that on anyone but it's like oh yeah you were running yeah you look good huh and um six and a half minute miles (laughs) yeah that's right you know who else like bonks hard and hits walls and like cramps and everything the giant ripped guys (laughs) like the bodybuilder big old arnold schwarzenegger in his prime looking dudes oh man they come out hot because they're confident because they're obviously extremely physical uh, physically capable of a lot of things <laughs> yeah and they come out hot and then i saw a guy that i was running with and he was passing me and then he pulled up on mile like 16 and then he started walking i was like aha <laughs> like you had it and now you're and he yo he finished like an hour and a half after me wow man like i was like whoa that was that's a rough such a big... that's, that's a rough hour and a half too for him i bet oh Oh yeah. So yeah, people were, were hitting hard. And honestly, I, you know, I, I really feel like I hit that same wall a couple different times. Yeah. And I kept telling myself like, you know, self-talk is like a big thing in these. And I kept telling myself, no, when I hurt more, I run faster. Maybe not other people. Maybe other people hurt and they slow down. I don't do that. When I hurt, I run faster. Yeah. And I just kept telling myself that, kept telling myself that and just kept that pace. And I think that, I think not only was that, you know, did attribute to me finishing with a good time um, or a time that I was proud of, 
but I think it also attributes to it's been three over three weeks since the marathon and I have still not recovered. Like my <laughs> legs are still effed up and like not all the way back. Yeah. Oh man. But no regrets no in that regrets. regard. No, dude. So you finished what was your time? It was like three I don't want to say it wrong. I know it was like three forty five. That's right, three forty five. All right, man. Um, I thought I remembered that. My goal was uh my goal was, was three forty five and I actually finished three forty four fifty nine. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, I was I was really pumped about that. Yeah. What was it like after? Like what was the was there a, a sense of accomplishment? Because like you said, you were like so focused on this one goal for so for six months. Yeah. Yeah. And then you accomplish um, it. What's that feel like? I was really happy with it. I was really proud. One thing at the end of the race, I kept thinking is like, there's no way. Like, I have to go home because I had to drive home like right afterwards. I was thinking I have to be proud driving home. Be proud driving home. You just have 30 more minutes left. Be proud driving home. So when I finished and had that time, I was proud all the way home, and I was proud at that time. Also, I kind of just look forward to the next one. Yeah. Like I'm just thinking, all right, the next one, I bet I can get to three. I bet I can get to three thirty. And the next one, I do this differently, and I do this. Um, but honestly, the theme of post race was just pain. Like, <laughs> I was in just so. Much, I mean, all of us were. Yeah. But I, I had never experienced pain like that before and soreness like that. Um, and it lasted for it lasted for about two and a half weeks where just pain. And then now it doesn't hurt. And uh, but when I go try to run, like it's like, oh, yep, these things are not ready yet. Yep, this this is starting to hurt. Body's not cool with this. Yeah. Yeah. So what's, but yeah, I was, I was proud. What's, uh, what's the, what's your next plan? Which I just said on a podcast like two weeks ago, like I really hate asking that question because <laughs> no, I'm like, no, 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 I no. want people to be like, dude, you, you've accomplished it. Yeah. Like feel like, you know, but I understand as an athlete too. I'm like, I like having something on the book. Like I like having the next thing coming up. Oh, I have to. I have. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. way more fun. I mean, because that was my entire training is like, and that's what I tell people. It's like, you want to get motivated to run, sign up for a race, and then yeah. post on social media about it. Like, <laughs> and then you'll figure it that, out. <laughs> that's what's. That's what keeps you going. So, because I, I again, I, I don't run to get in shape. I run for a race that I'm training for. You know. Yeah. At least that's how it's worked with me. So, what's next is, um, I didn't. First of all, I did not anticipate me being out for this long uh she did my first run today since the marathon and i ran my road two and a half miles and it was very painful i'm like good lord when am i going to be back like ready to yeah start churning up the miles to start training but the plan uh is to i've signed up for my first 50 and it's in february yeah. which is so so soon uh especially when i'm not even running right now um, my thought though, I'm Rocky like Raccoon 50. Rocky Raccoon 50. So my thought is you've, you have the endurance, you do have the endurance built up and it'll come back really quickly. I really hope so. Cause I, I can't tell you how much I miss 
uh, training. Like I miss going out there and being able to run for two hours or an hour and a half or whatever, uh, like casually. Yeah. And like, just go out in nature and run. Like I just miss that. And also being physically capable and just being in that shape where you can just go run for 10 miles and it not be a big deal and just feel nice and refreshing. Like I miss that so much. Yeah. I want that to be there when I, when I do get my legs back. Yeah. What's, what are your expectations for the 50 miler? Man, I have no idea. (laughs) I really have no idea mainly because I, uh, I don't like, I don't know when my, I'm going to start, be able to start training. Um, so, uh, really my, my goal there is in a specific time. Yeah. And if I set a time right now, I feel like it'd be ignorant because I don't even, well, I, it was definitely ignorant when I set a time for the marathon, <laughs> uh, when I started, cause I had, a, yeah. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, but I, I, I would like to do 12 hours. It's a 15 hour cutoff. And I think 12 hours is like a 13 13 minute pace so that's just like a that's like a good steady jog with um like 15 minute like three 15 minute breaks but again as i say this i have no idea what i'm talking about well the thing the thing that makes it hard is you with trail races especially is like the elevation plays a huge role in it right like i've ran i've ran 50 k's in like (laughs) nine and a half hours and then i've ran them in uh you know like what i did at marine corps like four hours i've ran 50 milers in you know relatively fast but it just depends because that like if it's a lot of elevation then you got to slow down and if it's flat if it's flat it's a whole different form of pain and misery because you are doing like the same movement with your legs the whole entire race and you can go faster but there's a lot of pain involved with that too so i don't know i guess my best advice and this would be cool like it would be cool if people kind of like sent in some advice along with this episode for you please (laughs) but my best advice is just like expect that there's going to be adversity and like low moments and things like that. And honestly, like I know this is such like cliched ultra running advice, but when you're in the really low moments, cause you will in a 50 miler, like hit those it's, it's like hitting a wall, but like, I don't even know how to describe it. There was a point in a 50 miler that I ran where I was like, I don't think my leg muscles work anymore. Like I just have no strength in them, (laughs) but the best advice is like in those moments, just eat some food, like eat as much food as you can stomach, maybe not as much as you can stomach, but eat a lot of food in that way. Because a lot of times when your energy levels get low, you start, you know, kind of finding that you, your, your spirits get down and then you slow your pace down and things like that. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it's the most simple advice of all time, but, and, and also just going into it, expecting like, it's not going to go perfect. And there's going to be moments where it's going to hurt and things like that. It'll be good. Right. <laughs> You'll love it. <laughs> I know I will. I can't wait. I, I, yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, man. Well, dude, I would be so honored, uh, to interview you after that again. Like I would love to hear how that goes for you. 
Oh yeah, I would love that, mm-hmm. and especially because my my goal is a hundred. So this is all Whoa. like like marathon, the fifty, like it's all working up to a hundred. All right. Uh, Do you got one in mind? So that's um yeah, there's there's one in uh, Indiana that's okay. Uh, it's like super flat, like all the world records are there pretty much. Um, Zach Bitter ran it in like twelve hours. Wow. Um, yeah. He has the world record for fastest hundred miles. He did it like a couple months ago. There's 11 hours or something like that. It's on a track, but it's like six and a half minute miles. That is six and a half minute was his average for a hundred miles. And he didn't stop. <laughs> um, it's like twin. I can't remember what Vienna. Oh, it's in Vienna, Illinois. Okay. And it's uh, but it's it's really flat. The Arkansas Traveler looks like super dope that's definitely a little more difficult yeah. from my understanding and then the javelina jundred oh yeah yeah um, people have recommended that looks, as like a good first 100 to me really yeah i i i actually really love running in the heat um so again i don't have any i'm about to but i don't have any experience running in the cold so heat is i guess all i know but yeah so that, I, I think I'd like that one. So I don't know. I've got a couple, got a handful in my head. That's cool, man. Well, best of luck. Where uh, where can people kind of like follow along your journey and, and all that stuff and, you know, look up your music because uh, a couple of nights ago I was talking to my wife and telling her that I was interviewing you and she's like, you should look at, you should look them up on YouTube. And I was like, dude, I don't want to be intimidated. But then I looked <laughs> you up and I was like, dang, he's amazing. <laughs> So, oh, thanks, man. Yeah, I thought. Yeah, that's that. That's nice of you to say. Yeah. Uh, so my my Instagram, um, my like artist and personal Instagram is just Clark Beckham, but my running Instagram, where I really kind of uh, geek out about pace times and nutrition and training techniques and uh, different people I'm reading about and things like that, I really focus on running. Is Clark Beckham run? Okay. So those are the those are really the best ways to to keep keep up with me and what I'm doing. Nice man, nice. Well, once again, thank you so much for sharing. This was awesome. I had a blast talking with you. Um, we'll have to get you back on at some point. I would love that, man. Thanks for having me. It's been great. Yeah. All right, guys, that wraps up this week's Like a Bigfoot podcast. Um, once again, you can check out Clark's stuff. Look up Clark Beckham. Um, um, you can find his music stuff at Clark Beckham. Uh, look him up on YouTube. The dude is incredible. We've been playing him on Alexa, uh, that whole deal. <laughs> I just sound like an old man when I just said that. But uh, <laughs> one of those Alexa things. Um, and then uh, look up his running stuff at Clark Beckham Run. Like I said, he's taking on a 50 miler. So check that out. Super honored to have you on the show, man. Um, I really appreciate it. And uh yeah guys if you're listening we have a very special guest right now because he called when i was recording the outro so brady manriquez welcome back to the show hey guys hey <laughs> i call i just happened to call chris and now i'm a part of an outro okay and anyone playing like like a bigfoot bingo this is a wild card <laughs> um I don't really know what that means. 
Well, you guys are going to hear this live right now. I'm going to peer pressure Brady into doing a race with me, okay? And this I wasn't even calling, Chris. This is why I'm calling right now. That's what I thought, but uh I wasn't even going to announce what the race was until next week, but we might as well just dive into it. Um I'm going I think I'm going to run. Well, if Brady says yes right now, this is like a proposal, dude. This is like a race proposal on the air. You know what? I had a, a friend of mine. I said, hey, Chris Ward has been trying to call me a bunch. And my friend goes, what stupid shit does he have you doing next? <laughs> <laughs> like, You're exactly right. Peer pressure is me to do something crazy. So, um, and I want, I want to hear more specifics. <sighs> but I want to also just say yes. And we'll figure it out later. There you have, man. If you peer pressure people enough, they will say yes. That's what we've learned today. Um, no, I, I'm going to do <laughs> – I've been wanting to do a ultra race because I've done them on the East Coast in Virginia. I've done a few out here in Colorado. Um, and I want to do go back to my roots and do one in Iowa because I'm an Iowa boy at heart. And I just want to eat a whole bunch of corn and eat fried tenderloins and run a race through cornfields. So that being said, uh, I'm going to run the Boonville Backroads Ultra. And Brady just and I'll probably tell this story again on the podcast. But like I met the race director, Brad, um, Brad Danes. He's been on the show, but he came out and did a hike with me and he gave me one of the race shirts and I was like, you know, I'm going to have to do this stupid race now because you gave me the shirt, man. And I wear it all the time and I never I haven't ran it. So I feel guilty. So, yeah, the, the big appeal to me is a couple of things. My dad was born and raised in Boone, Iowa. Technically, that is not where this is. This is Booneville. <laughs> yeah. Because, 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 uh, two, it's far enough out. And if you put it, here's the thing. I hate anything that's on the calendar. If something's on the calendar, I don't want to do it. But if it's far enough out, I'll say yes. And it's like six and a half months away. So I am in no shape to do that tomorrow. But six and a half months from now, there's a I, I have, I'm, I'm optimistic. <laughs> so that's why you asked far enough in advance. I was like, I think I can say yes to this. And it'll motivate me for like the next half well that's good man so yeah so um we well and i've successfully peer pressured our friend travis stefan into his very first 100k and it'll be my very first 100k um so dude so that's it (laughs) i thought peer pressuring you was gonna take more work to be honest with you uh well your cousin matt also sent me a facebook message and was like so i hear we're signed up for a 50k together this is gonna be awesome and he goes and I'll confess, I also know that you haven't committed to this, but I also know how powerful peer pressure is. <laughs> I was like, God damn it, Matt. Matt's right. Well, it's going to be bad as sex as me. It's been a team effort. <laughs> <laughs> well, and uh, Sean Furlong might. I'm actually going to send him. I'm, I'm arranging really? everything today. Yeah. So I'm arranging everything today before I have all the details. Um, but basically, like, the main thing is, like, We'll go down there and we'll just camp out and, you know, it'll be a lot of fun. You know, I keep sending my, uh, well, you, and you were on the show with him, but Phil Penty, he always says like that quote from Die Hard where he's like, 
crawling through the uh, yeah he's crawling through the air ducts and he's like come to the coast we'll have a few laughs like have super su- laughs, be fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah right That's, yeah it's gonna be torturous uh, I uh, I don't know what a 50k relay is but that seems like the lowest on the totem pole of the crazy events and like I've never run anything more than a half marathon. So to bump up to a 50K, I'm assuming 50K relay means I'm not actually running a 50K, but I don't know what that means yet. Yeah, and I'll give you some details in a little bit to see what you want to sign up for because I am going to try to give you the hard sell on the 50K, my friend. Um, but okay. but we'll see. So my cousin Matt's already committed, and you Matt's the man, dude. We love Matt. Love Matt. He's. I listened to his. I listened to his half marathon uh, episode of like a Bigfoot like four or five times while I was training for my own, as just as a motivation thing. He's a fellow, he's a fellow big man that is not built to run, but still runs. <laughs> and he's hilarious. <laughs> he is hilarious, and he can do a full pistol squat. And I knew you were gonna say that. That's really your big like his big claim to fame for you is that at six four, two hundred, whatever. He's doing one-legged pistol squats. <laughs> like, it's impressive. It's a powerful man, baby. Yeah, no, I yeah. actually just spent the weekend with him up. Uh, we all got a place in the mountains, my whole family. So it was it was pretty awesome to hang. So, yeah, yeah that was that cool. was part of it. But, yeah, man, so we'll uh, – Brady, you stay on the line, my friend. But uh, everyone else, uh, thank you guys for listening to the show. This has been a beautiful Thanksgiving episode of the Like a Bigfoot podcast. Once again, Clark is the coolest dude. Maybe I can pressure him into coming out to Iowa too. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, man. So we'll get back at you next week. Brady, any final thoughts for the Like a Bigfoot people? Clark, Clark, I look forward to listening to your podcast the next time I'm on the treadmill. There you go. All right. See you guys.